listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hello, listeners. It's Jamie. Sadly, Rose was not able to make this interview today. She had to do some other things. So you're just going to be listening to my voice and our special guest voice. So over the holidays, I read a lot of good books. Some tarot, some not. I read a lot of fiction, and most of the fiction that I'll typically read is kind of young adult or urban fantasy style. But a particular series had crossed my list probably back at the beginning of this year. It was based on kind of tarot ideas and stuff. And I forgot about it until December when... I got a email from the author's publicist saying, hey, he's got a new book out. Would you like to interview him? And I looked up the name, K.D. Edwards, and I went, oh, crud, this is that book I was going to read, The Last Son. So I immediately bought a copy of that, started reading it, and then I started digging into the new book. So with me today is K.D. Edwards, the author of The Hangman, book two in, I think it's called The Tarot uh, Cycle. The tarot sequence. Tarot sequence. So welcome to Tarot Visions, Keith. Uh, once again, I'm sorry Rose wasn't able to make it, but that's okay because this will be fun for me. For listeners who probably don't, haven't heard of you yet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Of course. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I am a sophomore author now. I have my second book just came out, so I'm no longer a debut author, but these are my first two books. It's my first series. It's, I guess you would call it urban fantasy, though I have a strong mix of fantasy elements and sci-fi elements. It's basically modern day fantasy set in a island based on a reimagined Atlantis. And in this modern era, Atlantis exists. It's a world-class city after having some really difficult things in its past. And it's compiled of ruins from across the world. It's run by arcana courts based on the major arcana cards in the tarot deck. And the main protagonist is Rune St. John, who is the last prince of the sun court. Fantastic. So with that, listeners, if you're into urban fantasy, definitely you want to check this book out. What caught my eye a couple of things when I first started reading was the fact that you brought up one of the tarot myths of tarot started in Atlantis. So I wanted to kick this off with you maybe talking a little bit, if you can, about Mm -hmm. how did you generate this idea? Did you, do you own a tarot deck or why tarot? So... I had several different ideas of a larger structure I wanted around a Lost Civilization series. Tarot was by far my number one choice. I was terrified that someone else was going to use it before I got published, so I stuck with it, thank God. I've always loved tarot decks. I love the imagery. I love the archetype. I'm all about archetypes, both in the bad guys, the good guys. In my own writing, I have archetype characters I've used since I was a kid. There's just something so powerful, especially about the major arcana, Everyone I talk to, my accent goes between Arcana and Arcana, so you're going to have to forgive me because I have my book pronunciations in my head. But just the fact that they're like a reflection on human appetites and human realities, especially inexorable realities like fortune and luck and nature and the world, the star, the moon, celestial bodies, the moral virtues, strength, justice, all those things are so ingrained into the human nature and the human experience that incorporating that into like real actual incarnations based on the card was just 
uh, it was just so much fun writing that. I really enjoyed it. So I love that because that's exactly what the major arcana is for most of us readers. And a lot of us just love telling stories with the tarot as well. I know I've written a couple of my own little books based off of tarot and things that I also write the little white booklets for a lot of the decks. Some of the companies come out. Do you actually own a tarot deck? Oh, I do. I do. I actually have, what am I up to? Well, I have one deck I use all the time, which I can't wait to talk about because not many people ask these questions and like, I love my deck. I have, well, the, the, the Rider Waite, that's, of course I have that. That's what I started off with. That was my starter deck. I love comic books and graphic novels and by far my favorite imprint ever in my entire life was the Vertigo imprint back in the heyday of the Sandman and Preacher. And I have the Vertigo tarot deck as they don't even print it anymore. And it is by far my most like prized possession. That's the one I use. It's that's the harshest deck I use because especially with the reversed imagery, it can be, it can slice both ways. And Maggie Stiffader, she does like the Raven mm-hmm. cycle. She recently did a deck and sort of kind of loosely based on her series. And I love using that one because it's really positive. Those are my two right now. And it's hard for me to branch out because I've invested so much emotionally into the Vertigo deck, but I've been talking with people across the world since I got published and they've introduced me to some absolutely gorgeous artwork. And one day I want to have my own tarot deck too. So. Well, that answers one of the questions I was going to ask if there was going to be maybe a tarot sequence tarot deck out there. I don't know how there couldn't be at this point, because one of the things that's happened to me, which blows my mind on a daily basis, is readers send artwork all the time. Every day, something hits me where someone says they were inspired to start painting after not painting in a while, or they had a sketch, or they had a um, a watercolor, they had a drawing they wanted to share. And all I can think is, oh my God, all of these things are so gorgeous, and they would be, there's so much imagery and symbolism in what they're creating. I think I'd love to do a crowdsourced tarot deck at some point based on artwork from my readers, to be perfectly honest. I think that would be fantastic. I've got a bunch of different crowdsourced or compilation where everybody's done a card or a couple authors or artists have done two cards. And it's amazing how intergrained some of these kind of collaborative decks can come out with. So I'm right there with you that I think it would be fun, especially for your readers, the fans, to come up with let's put Katie's world into motion and, and gift him with a new deck that he could read from. Yeah. Every month that goes by, I get closer and closer to really thinking I need to spend some time doing that. I think that would be fantastic. And it's so much fun to produce your own deck. I also own the Vertigo Tarot. That was one of my first decks out there that I purchased. One of the more expensive decks. I bought the first edition back. Wow. Um, I found it on eBay And then I know they did two other smaller style, second and third edition. I'm pretty sure I had the first edition too. Gotcha. The big white box. Yeah. And I got it with a hardcover book too that came with it. Yeah. The the second and third came with a soft cover. Yeah. It was, I have a hardcover book. So the, and I mean, David Keene, the artist, like he's, everything he does is filled with like dozens of symbols and, you know, archetypes of his own. So that was just a, it's a joy to use that deck. Well, and the book was written by tarot great Rachel Pollock. Yes, I emailed her once and talked to her about her, her deck at one point. She's a fantastic. She's a wonderful lady, does so much for the community. It's amazing. And nice, and nice as yes. hell. <laughs> yes, very nice. And of course, Neil Gaiman also wrote a little bit of the book too. Yep. So mm-hmm. of course, putting that trifecta in there, it was just for me, it was like, oh gosh, fangirl moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> so what sorts of readings? Because now that we know that you have decks... 
and, you know, you just didn't do the research for the book, what sorts of readings do you like to either give or receive from tarot? You know, I'm a big believer in you don't know everything in the universe. Like you just don't. I, whether something is speaking to me through the deck, whether it's coming from my subconscious, the fact is when you deal the cards, your brain makes connections and it really does tell you something. And I'm also a big believer that each of us inside of us, we know what we need to do in a given situation. Like nine out of 10 times in the back of our brain, you know, there's a voice saying, yeah, that's what you're going to do. You're going to go through about a million different choices before you get there. But in the end, this is what you're going to do. And tarot decks sometimes streamline that. Like you get a reading and that voice just jumps to the front of your brain and all of a sudden laying in front of you, they're like, oh yeah, I should be focusing on this, not on this. So I like, using my readings as a point of meditation when I'm really struggling with motivation, especially where's my focus, my focus isn't where it needs to be. Sometimes it's just a great tool for moving from point A to point C. Sometimes it's skipping over the swamp of point B. (laughs) Um, Like any reader, I think one of the reasons I built the courts in my series around major arcana, because every time a major arcana card is dropped in a reading, it's always an oh shit moment part of my language you got to admit those those are the big cards to drop in any sort of reading those are the ones i think i love the best when you know three or more cards of major arcana show up in front of you and you just have that moment you're like oh i think i'm about to realize something yeah the i really need to pay attention to this moment and the time that's happened a little bit before this and what i'm going to do with this information in the future so yeah I don't get those very often, but I do them like, yes, yes, universe, you know, yes, ma'am, no, no, sir, type, you know, moments where I do that. So it sounds like you kind of focus mostly giving yourself readings. Have you ever been uh, given a reading from others? No, the one time, whoa, yeah, yeah, actually, I did give someone a reading, and I'll tell you about it. Okay. Um, someone who was just about to get married, and I drew the widow card. <laughs> Um, I can't remember which card it was because I was the first reading I'd ever did. I brought my tarot deck like this little 10-year-old kid to like a big, huge family cookout. And there are all these people around and they're like, hey, little kid, you should give me a reading. I'm about to get married. And I and I read word for word what the booklet said <laughs> without even it. I'm like, yeah, I just learned a big lesson about life. <laughs> Shut your mouth sometimes. <laughs> But other than that, it's almost always for myself. Sometimes I'll do on Twitter something with fans like, you know, reach out to me, tell me who you are and something about yourself and I'll draw you a signifier card for today. I like that. What sort of information do those draws give? I don't really spend much time interpreting them because I think when I did that, it was even back before 280 characters. It was like 140. Like you didn't have much time to sum things up, but I try to always look at the positive side of the card. I mean, like I said, I learned that lesson the hard way. (laughs) You've got to really tailor your reading to who's in front of you. You don't need to tell someone who's about to get married that they might have a specter of widowship on their future. But there's always something positive in a tarot deck, even if the positive thing is this is the thing you're going to fight against before you succeed. And that's one of the things I try to pull for readings, even if I'm doing reverse readings. Gotcha. I agree. There are, to me, there's two different types of readings that you can give out there. One is like in client. So it'd be like the one that you gave the widow reading for. And then there's also like event client style readings where if it is like at a wedding party or something, I know yours wasn't, but if it was a wedding party, first off, I try and tailor which pick which deck. So like, I rarely get to use the Vertigo Tarot in many of these style readings because a yeah. lot of people don't, wouldn't jive with the Vertigo. They'd be like, oh, that's kind of disturbing in a yeah. way. And it's like, well, it's my favorite deck. They're like, oh, maybe you're kind of disturbing in a little way, which might be true or not. So sometimes I'll have to use a nicer or a 
more standard kind of deck. A lot of times I'll just pull the Rider Weight just because people can pick up on anything from that. Yes, yes. Um, sometimes I also have to pick a kid-friendly deck because when there are kiddos and there are cards, they all love the cards. I started reading when I was 13. I love cards. I still love card games now, and it's just so much fun. Yeah. But there's a lot of discussion. I know Rose and I have had discussions on earlier casts on, do you keep a full deck when you go to somebody, like, say they're getting married or having Ooh. a baby and stuff? So there's a lot of, like, discussion where I'm on the side that, no, I will, I will keep death in there. I will keep the Ten of Swords in there because sometimes you need to hear hard information. Yeah. But it, like you said, it can be interpreted as a positive spin. Yeah, especially the misinterpretation of some cards, like de- death. I mean, yeah. so they're not going to understand that when it's flipped over. <laughs> or yeah. the devil, <laughs> you know. You yeah. know, some things just leap off, the, leap off the card is saying that this probably might not be good, even if it actually is, possibly. Yeah, I mean, the devil sometimes could just mean, like, in an example from your books, a devilish romantic time mm-hmm. where the characters might be out ha- having a moment of peace with each other rather than having to get back into a battle. Yes. Or just, you know, enjoying that darker side of I need to break from doing all this and having some fun rather than the whole I'm going to go get addicted to drugs or let things take over my life and mm-hmm. stuff. It's definitely not that. Plus, of course, Hollywood has also helped us with those bad cards as yes. we on televisions have talked about a lot of the times where I feel like when those cards come up, my job is to demystify them to say only in rare cases does this like death mean death. An actual mm-hmm. death you know we get a lot of them for cards like new year's eve parties because we're changing we're transforming into a new year new you know new year new you so to speak or i get them a lot when i'm doing graduation parties because again the future is unknown what they've known is changing pretty drastically and hey kids are going to be adults or the people graduating college are now going into society to become fully fledged members of what am I doing again? You know, <laughs> why am I doing this? So it's always a good time. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions I had was, how do you see the houses as being in alignment with general tarot meanings? To go back to your book. I mean, I've introduced a lot of the houses now, the major houses, but I haven't developed them necessarily. That's more something I'm deliberately going to be doing over what I hope is the course of nine novels. But the major ones that are going to be recurring characters throughout, sometimes it's not necessarily based upon their role in the book. It's based upon what they actually mean for the characters and me as a writer. I like the Sun Court because in a lot of decks, the Sun card is about it's positive. It's optimistic. It's the card for the artists and the the singers and the and the theater and musicians. And I actually, bu- I did build that into the story, and I love that. And death being a card of rebirth and maybe undoing the shackles of convention and tradition fits very much into the character of Lady Death. When I'm starting to introduce the tower, that is probably the card that most relates to the character because the tower. I don't know if you ever heard this story. One of the first times I interacted with Tarot, I went to school in Maine, and there was a psychic in Maine who worked with a woman and gave her a reading, and the tower was the main card. The woman had suspicions about her husband, and the tower card is a card for spies, and her husband was a very famous American spy. And the psychic reading is what turned the wife away from suspicions of something like maybe a fair to like, wow, something really bad might be going on. And this guy was arrested and charged as a spy to the country. And I always thought, I still, because I met that psychic at one point, she did a reading for me, but the tower, the, how that really stood out 
that influenced who this character is too. He is the former monarchy's like chief spy and integrator, and he's the man of secrets. And the tower is a formidable figure in character, both in readings and in my book. That makes so much more sense to me because I've been trying to, as I've been reading, I write it for pleasure. However, of course, I had to read it to prepare for this interview. So Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there going, okay, we have the sun. This is kind of what the sun is. All right, we have the lovers, which was really interesting. I like the way you broke down the lovers where a lot of standard meetings are. It's new relationship energy, love, chew, we're going to get together and all this. And I think that reversed it. I think that was my first reversal like court. I loved it. It was a total usurpation of it and kind of darkening it a little bit because it's such a positive card in most people's eyes that when you do that, it really gives it a different taste, so to Mm -hmm. speak. But I loved how you did that. But it was like the tower. I'm like, okay, two books in and I'm still trying to figure out which aspect of the tower are we getting at here. And I I actually have never heard that it could be a spy. So now I'm going to have to go through all my readings, look at the tower and see if there are those ideas of the spy moments and stuff. But now I can see it and I love it. I love that angle. I think it's, it's perfect for him. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to explore other courts too. The hangman was probably the one card where it doesn't reflect the cards. Really. The hangman is a much more positive card and I made him an absolute villain, like not even a, a villain with feelings that you could associate with and see how he came off the path. No, he is a old school, horrible, horrible being. But the card itself does talk a lot about change and really momentous things happening. And that is actually what Rune is going through in the second novel. So in that respect, the Hainman actually is a very important card because the entire series changes his or his circumstances change in the second novel based on this yeah i thought that his circumstance was going to be him stepping into what he could as you know replacement for his father was going to happen at least third book fourth book and this is before i I knew that you were going to have a nine book series planned i was like god by third book we should see him stepping in but no you took that leap right kind of early in not to try i'm not trying to spoil too much here but it was interesting that you twisted it and kind of brought it in earlier yeah, the whole thing is is going to be the arc of him stepping up to the plate and elements of found family too. And I think one of the themes that I really start hitting on in the third novel is Rune draws his strength by protecting people. And the more people he has to protect, especially the misfits of Atlantis, is the stronger he's going to get. And I'm really, there are some things I needed to move forward a little bit quicker because those elements are really going to stretch out over a couple of novels, you know, the growth of his court, so... I so look forward to this because it's been so much fun to read the first two books, see you lay the groundwork for where this scion is going, where, and now that he's stepping into his power, where it's totally going to start playing. I also noticed that you include a lot of historical places in the series. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because that was so neat where it's like, for me as a tarot reader, I've got all this tarot stuff. You've got this whole world of Atlantis built up on the tarot mythology that a lot of us readers know. And all of a sudden we're on a tour guide of a historical figure or landmark. So Mm -hmm. I need to know, how did you come up with that? I think there are a couple of different elements there. One of them is there's this amazing writer called Charlie Houston, and he wrote this modern day vampire story set in New York city. And he does this amazing job of separating action and exposition you have the scene that the characters are in, and sometimes he'll step aside from that scene and he'll give you tidbits of exposition. And they were always fascinating. And I took that to heart because I wanted to tell the readers, I mean, I plan nine novels. It's not as if I don't know what's going to happen. I know everything down at the last scene. So 
for me to want to explain the world, for every 10% I explain, there's 90% below the surface. How can I get tidbits out there in a really short manner, you know, half a page or a page that are going to interest people? And building the city from ruins from across the human world was between the two of those, it was just perfect. It was synergy because they're so interesting to read about, whether it's in Wikipedia or ruin sites or going to all these web pages devoted to urban exploration. There is so much interesting things in our world, things that were recently abandoned, like, you know, World Fair centers or Olympic stadiums, things that have been abandoned for centuries. And nothing would give me more pleasure than, you know, using one of those half page scenes and having someone pause and be like, damn, and highlighting, highlighting it in their Kindle and then going off down the rabbit hole and reading more because that's what I love doing in books. So for me, it's just, it's the, the biggest challenge is to make sure that the reader stays interested for that half page. I think it was perfectly blended. I love the idea that we've got Atlantis rising from the bottom of the sea, so to speak, and yet not being what it used to be and Mm -hmm. going, well, we've got our ability to use magic. So let's just start pulling things that have been discarded and are no longer being used. And hey, the human world won't really notice it too much being gone. And then so there you have this island, which I imagine it's bigger than Manhattan in some regards. Well, it's or, twice, about twice as big, Nantucket okay. is. Gotcha. As if I, if I did the actual size of the Manhattan city, I actually did like square footage comparison. I think I'm pretty sure it's twice as big. Someone could have easily called me on this, but yeah. I know that somewhere in my notes, I made sure I was being accurate with what I described. Gotcha, which is another detail to the whole world building that sometimes urban fantasy kind of misses on. They just kind of regeneralize it a little bit and then... Yeah. But you've got all these notes of concrete things, what goes where, and I'm sure that somewhere in your notes or your world building Bible that you've got exactly what thing made from block one at corner, you know, each building and each piece. Oh, I have. And things that are going to come up in the future that are kind of laying breadcrumbs now, because I know where I want to go. I know what each major novel is about. So it's kind of a joy to have the experience of planning so far ahead. It's not easy to start out, let alone like when you have no books behind you and you're a debut author, to go in saying, hey, not only can you buy this, but I want to do nine books and, you know, hope that I can actually get there. You know, I started off with a two book contract and thank God things have gone really well. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the chance either through the current publishing house or whatever happens, I am going to get to tell more stories as long as the readers are demanding it. So I can't wait to share what I've been um, saving. I think it's perfect. I, like I said, I keep saying it's been really fun to blend the historical in with tarot knowledge, the fact that you know tarot, so you've done a lot of research both into myths and using, and you know the archetypes. It's been real pleasant because, like, as I keep saying, sometimes Hollywood, it's like, guys, you're not doing your research. Why yeah. are you doing, why are you keeping up with the stereotypes? Come on, it's 2020 now, get better. But is there any sort of little hints of what you can tease us for Rune and Brand and the rest of the game in in either the next book or overall? Well, the heart of the series is, are the characters. I mean, no matter how much work I put into the world building and, and my tarot readings and, you know, abandoned human ruins, nothing is going to replace the fact that I tried to come up with a core set of characters that people really, really, really like. That they'll actually, you know, maybe laugh out loud moments when how Rune and Brand react. So all my energy... The number one thing I do is think, where am I taking the characters? Not so much where am I going to take the story. 
And I opened up, and I don't want to go too much into what I do at the end of Hangman, but I open up a wealth of possibilities for Rune to not only have to interact with people on a day-to-day basis more because he's bringing more people into his life, but having him have obligations to the city itself, not just, hey, I know this guy that might be able to step in and help us, but in expectation that if something goes wrong, Rune is, you know, Arcana JV, bring him on board. He needs to be part of the solution. So I'm definitely going to be developing that. I do know that all nine novels are broken into three trilogies. So the next book is big. The next book is really, really big. It's the end of the first trilogy. I've intimated to the reader that Rune is keeping secrets from them. And the first Mm -hmm. book, especially, there are things he hasn't been telling people, including Brand, and all that stuff comes out in the third novel. The first three novels are about Rune revealing his hand to the audience. And then the next three novels are going to be about the things that Rune doesn't know about what happened to him and his court when his court was destroyed. So I definitely, the next novel is going to be big. That's a novel I've been waiting to write for years. Gotcha. I I look forward to these because there's so much into them, into the characters, the background, the entire system you've set up, including the magic, which of course we haven't really touched on, but I'm really enjoying all these little hints and blends that you kind of pick in and you really do truly bring this series alive with the writing, which is, you know, unique in its own right. Whereas, you know, sometimes in urban fantasy, you see that it's kind of flat where it's more formulaic. And I haven't seen that yet in these two books. And I will say I was at Powell's this past weekend and they had none of the first book and they had a small little bit, the Katie Edwards little area for the hangman. So I'm hoping that they all go off the shelf and find good homes. Uh, I hope so too. I, it's been really good so far. Like, you know, reaction for readers. I have the best readers in the world. It's like uh, people like you who just, you on a daily basis, you make me feel so good at what I'm doing that all I want to do is deliver a good story. I mean, that is the number one driving force in my life right now that you guys have excited me so much as a writer that I really want to impress you even more the next time around. Awesome. No burden, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where can our listeners find you online? I do have a website, which probably needs a little bit updating. Hopefully my agent will not hear that until it's updated at katie-edwards.com. And also, if I had to pick one social media that I interact with most, it's Twitter right now. And my user handle there is at kdedwards underscore nc, as in North Carolina, where I live. And recently, I started a Discord channel, which is announced on my Twitter somewhere. But if you asked me how to get to it, I couldn't tell you because it was fan created. The fans created the Discord channel and invited me to it afterwards. Wow, that's awesome. I will have to go back and look through that so I can try and find the Discord channel because I did started dipping my toe into Discord. But that sounds like a lot of fun where the fans can reach you, give you all sorts of art and everything. And just to, you know, talk to you about why did you do this? Or how come you didn't do this in this one yet? Well, that's actually what I kind of love. Like from the beginning, I decided I wanted to be one of those authors who between every novel, I'm going to write a free novella for people. If they reach out to me and they ask questions, I'm going to answer them that I really want to have this sort of interaction with readers. And Discord has been even, it's like Twitter on crack because (laughs) I'm answering questions all the time and really, really quickly. And you can upload documents too. people who contributed anything to the like pre-launch challenges or yeah a contest we had up leading up to hangman even got a deleted scene from the epilogue and it is posted on discord 
Ooh, okay. Well, I'm going to have to go check that out because now I want to read that because I'm, yeah, once I fall in love with a series that I, I truly like, I want to be able to find all the free stories or read up on the timeline and kind of piece things together because that's mm-hmm. kind of how my, my writer brain works. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And, or me, I should say, because it's me been the one that's been talking. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us on this. This has been fantastic. You've asked me questions that I, I don't normally get to talk about. So I'm kind of excited to dig back through your old stuff, too, because I, I want to further my own education on tarot readings and awesome. tarot decks. So. Well, yeah. Well, as always, we enjoy hearing everybody's feedbacks. And then hopefully Katie will start conversing with us and maybe we can help bring up some new stuff for the series. So yes, send your feedback and comments and to tarotvisionshow at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash tarot underscore visions. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash tarotvisionsus. So keep the conversation going with all of us and go check out Katie Edwards' wonderful books, especially the, slut, the Hanged Man book. The Tarot Secrets is a fun one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions. 